this Tuesday night Bible study. And I told Brother Mays, I said, if I'd have known you were coming, I'd have had you plan on preaching tonight. And uh, by the look on his face, I got the impression that he intentionally snuck in. And um, that's what I thought. And I would say something about it, except I've done that myself many times. So there's not much I can say. But there's something I've been feeling on my heart for, for several days. And then, and then yesterday, yesterday morning in prayer, the Lord really directed me. I talked to Brother Goff a little bit about something I was feeling and wanting to try to put together, just another tool that I, I wanted to put together, and, and uh, I, won't, I won't bore you with the details of the way the last two days have gone for me, um, but suffice it to say that my best efforts have not been able to get done what I had hoped what I talked to you about. I really wanted to have that done. I really thought I was going to just get it done yesterday. And would you believe I didn't, after prayer yesterday morning, I didn't leave until I think seven something last night. And um, uh, so um, we're going to work on it. We're going to have it. We're going to have it available for you as soon as I can put the finishing touches on it and those of you who know anything about whatever I do if it is if it involves the work of the Lord it has to be perfect <laughs> that's just the way it is I, I, I just I've, I've got to have it perfect and if I put it together and find out it's not perfect then um, it's hard for me to forgive myself for a long time and I go right back to the drawing table and start to work on it again. So, the tool itself is not going to be completely ready yet. Uh, it will be ready for you. But we are, maybe, if the Lord allows us, before I'm finished tonight, maybe we'll be able to share with you a little bit of that. Um, at least an idea of where we're headed with that. And I... I think... I think that um, if I gave you three guesses as to what direction I'm going tonight, you probably could get pretty close because we've been in this vein for some time now and I can't get away from it. And I feel like it's because the Lord won't allow me to get away from it. And, um, you know, I've told the story before. The man who was pastoring the church that um, one Sunday he preached a message and the congregation came back the next week and he preached the same message again. And everybody scratched their heads and he came back the next week and preached the same message again. And some of them were a little frustrated and after several weeks of him preaching the same message they finally decided they'd better confront him over it they didn't know if he had developed some kind of dementia or what was going on 
and they finally just said, do you realize that you've been preaching the exact same message every week? And he said, yes, of course I know that. They said, well, we'd like to know when are you going to preach something different? And his response was, when you obey this one. Hallelujah. Well, I know some of you have been obeying this one. I'm trying to get all of us on board, Brother Goff. And I think Jesus is trying to get all of us on board. And we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. But I'm going to tell you, we must never tire of this topic because it is the heartbeat of God. It's the heartbeat of God. It's the heartbeat of God. I've said it before and I say again. Blessings, healings, provision, those things are just fringe benefits. But that's not the reason that he came to this earth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. And that's got to become the driving force of our lives as well. It really does. So, with that in mind, if you would stand with me tonight, the book of Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. And because I'm hoping to give you a little glimpse into the tool we want to present. I have, honestly, I've gone through and slashed this message down to the bare minimums. And uh, yet I want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. And if God doesn't want me to get to that tool until it's done, then we'll put it off and I'll leave you wondering and I'll let you leave here tonight scratching your head about what we're going to be talking about. But, but uh, I want to obey the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise God. Judges chapter 1. And I, I, I don't mind telling you, I've preached from this passage before. It's been, I think, close to 10 years ago. I'd have to go back and figure out the exact date. But I really felt it. I have, this is what I have felt. I have felt for days I've been feeling this, feeling this. I have not been able to shake it. And um, so, here we go. Judges chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And the house... Of Joseph. They also went up against Bethel. And the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to descry Bethel. Now, the name of the city before was Luz. The spies saw a man come forth out of the city. And they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance 
into the city and we will show thee mercy. And when he showed them the entrance into the city, they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let go the man and all his family. Now, what a, what a request. On the surface, it really doesn't make much sense because you could go to any city in Bible days and figure out where the entrance was. It wasn't hard to figure that out. It was well marked. It was gated. Um, but there was something else going on here, something else that was meant by this request, and we're going to talk about it. And so we're just going to talk to you for a little while tonight about finding the entrance to the city. Finding the entrance to the city. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask God to speak to us tonight. We need the touch of God tonight. Let's everybody ask God for his help right now. Jesus. you Lord we thank you Lord we thank you Lord we thank you Lord come on let's praise him everybody let's praise him right now let's praise him right now hallelujah I love you Jesus I love you Jesus praise God amen 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 now with so many out tonight, so many gone tonight, I'm really calling on the rest of you to uh, pull double duty. And uh, I need some extra amen corners tonight. Would you help me? All right, God bless you. You may be seated. Judges chapter 1, of course, you know, coming out of the book of Joshua and their conquest of Canaan, um, and then into the book of Judges as you begin to see that they are yet trying to take uh, various cities and various areas that are a part of their inheritance. Uh, as they enter into the book of Judges, they still have not entirely taken the inheritance that belongs to them. Judges chapter 1 begins to tell us about the descendants of Joseph as they go up against the city of Bethel. Uh, and they have the full intention of overthrowing that city. Uh, and, and yet they knew, they knew that it was not wise to just march up to the front gates and say, okay, we're here. Surrender. Surrender. 
Praise God. Just give up. We've come to take over. And, and so why don't you just uh, lay your weapons down and uh, just admit you're defeated and there won't be any, uh, any fighting and you just let, let us know that it's all over. They knew it just wouldn't work that way. They knew it wasn't going to work. And so they decided that they would try to find the best way to win against this city. And so verse number 23 says this. The house of Joseph sent to describe Bethel. Now the name of the city before was Luz. Now this word descry in our King James Bible simply means to search out or to spy the land. Matthew Henry says that this meant that they sent spies to observe what part of the city was weakest or which way they might make their attack with the most advantage. They're trying to figure out, Brother Mays, what's going to be the best approach that we can make. We, we don't have the army that, that we need to take this city. We're not quite big enough to overthrow Bethel like we'd like. But, but if we're smart, we don't have to fight as hard. It will fight smart. So we want to figure out where are they weak. Where is it that we can find a weak spot? So they start spying out the land and looking and trying to find out what's going to be the best way to come up, what's going to be the best approach for us to make. And as they're doing this, they come across one of the inhabitants of the land, and they decided right then and there that maybe this was just uh, the very thing they needed. Maybe they wouldn't have to keep looking because nobody knows the city like somebody from the city. Somebody that's born and raised there knows the intricacies. He knows literally the ins and outs. He knows more about that city than these strangers do. And so they decided to take him captive. Uh, let's read verse 24. And the spies saw a man come forth out of the city, uh -huh. and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee. Show us, we pray thee. The entrance into the, the city. Entrance into the city. And we will show thee mercy. And if you'll do this, we're going to show you mercy. And so verse 25 says, And when he showed them he the entrance showed them into the, the city. Entrance to the city. And this. look, when he did, here's what happened. They smote they the city. They smote the entire the city with the edge of the sword. But they let go the man and all his family. I'm telling you, they had a citywide revival. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, they had a citywide revival. They had a victory that day because this man showed them something they could not have found on their own. 
One commentator said what he showed them was a private way into the town, a way which had been left unguarded because since most people did not know that way, there was really no danger in their minds of an enemy coming in that way. Now, I'm going to tell you, as you read down through Judges chapter 1, what you're going to find is this is the only victory recorded for the house of Joseph in this entire chapter. Uh, let, let's, let's talk about it. I mean, who, who were the sons of Joseph? Nobody knows? Hello? Come on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've, come on. I've, I've done a better job than that than teaching, surely. Manasseh and Ephraim, right? They're the sons of Joseph. So let's see what the Bible says here in this chapter about Manasseh and Ephraim. Judges chapter 1, verse 27. Neither did Manasseh. Neither did Manasseh. Drive out the drive inhabitants, out the inhabitants of Bethshean. And her towns. And her towns. And Tayanak. Yeah, yeah, and her yeah. Towns. Pronounce all those words for me. I did this on purpose. Read. <laughs> nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, uh-huh. nor the inhabitants of Ibelium and uh-huh. her towns, Doing good. nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, yeah. but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. I'm telling you, they go through a whole list of cities, and Manasseh lost every one of them. And then verse 29. Neither did Ephraim, Neither did Ephraim drive out the drive Canaanites out the Canaanite. that dwelt in Gezer, uh-huh. but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. So, Everything else said in this chapter was a loss. There was one victory recorded in Judges chapter 1 for the house of Joseph. Whether it was Manasseh or Ephraim, there was only one victory. And the only victory they had, amen, was the one time that they found a man that showed them the entrance into the city. Well, praise God. Seems to me they'd have learned to use that tactic again. Seems to me they'd have gone back and done it again, brother self. Seems like they'd have tried it again and again and again because it sure did work when they got to Bethel. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm convinced in my heart and in my spirit, hallelujah, amen, that every city has got an entrance. Every city has got a weak spot. Every city has got a key that if you can find it, if you can ever get there, if you can ever locate it, hallelujah, I'm telling you there is a way to have a citywide revival. There is a way, amen, that you can go I don't care how large or how small the congregation if you can find the key to the entrance of that city yes amen amen yes sir Uh, uh, John chapter 4 we this is where I've cut a lot out you know I would, I'd be reading all these scriptures. We're, I've cut a lot of this out. John chapter 4, we, we know the story of Jesus. He must needs. The Bible said he must needs go through Samaria. He had to stop by. He had to go visit that woman at the well. He talked to that woman at the well. That woman that was avoiding everybody else. 
That woman that didn't want to be around anybody else because she was so ashamed, not only of her past, but of her present situation. She didn't want to be around anyone. And Jesus knew just the right time to show up because she was going to be there at that time. Now, it's just Jesus and his 12 disciples. But he sent his 12 disciples away. So it's just him. We know about what happened there. But I just want to remind you, amen, that it was that woman, it was that one individual at the well that really was the key to what happened in Samaria. Jesus wasn't just reaching for one woman. I wish somebody would help me out here tonight. He wasn't just reaching. He was reaching for one, but he wasn't just reaching for one. He understood this woman is the entrance to this city. This is the key to Samaria because once she got a taste of what the Messiah had to offer. Read for me. John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30. The woman then left the woman her water pot. left her water pot. This is what she'd come to the well for, was to get, she didn't care about the water pot anymore. She said, forget all of that. I got something more important to do. What'd she do? And went she her went her way. And she went into the city. And, say it to and the men. said to the very people she was now avoiding, had been avoiding, to the very people she was trying to stay away from, she said to the men, Come see Come a man, see a man told that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? The Christ? Then they then went, they out, went of the out of the city and, and unto came him. unto him. One woman. Amen. One woman. Yes. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. We can skip on down, verses 39 uh, through 42. Read, read. And many of the Samaritans many, of that city. Many of the Samaritans of that city. Believed, believed on, him on him for the sayings of, for the, woman, saying of the woman. Which testified, which testified he told me he all told that me. ever I did. Yeah. So when the, so Samaritans, when the Samaritans were coming come, to him, uh-huh. they sought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode he there two days. He stayed there for two days. And many more and believed, many more because, of believed because of his own word. Said unto the woman. And they said to the woman. Now we believe. Now we believe. Not, not because, because of my saying, saying but we've for heard we have heard him for ourselves. ourselves. And know that this indeed yeah. is indeed the Christ. He is indeed the Christ. The Savior the of the sa- world. Listen to me. But I'm going to tell you. They said, they said we, we're not believing because of what you said. But listen to me. They wouldn't have listened to what he said had it not been because of her. She was the entrance into that city. She was the reason he had two days that he could preach the gospel in Samaria. She was the key. And I'm going to tell you, I, I just believe, and I won't take time to go there, but I just believe the revival took place in Acts chapter 8 can be tied directly to what happened in John chapter 4 because Philip went back and preached to them about this same man that had visited their city now listen Jesus didn't hold a citywide crusade to bring about these results Jesus did not start a television ministry 
He didn't hold a block party. He didn't. You know what he did? He found the key. He found the one person that once she got it, that's all that was necessary. And it spread like wildfire. Hallelujah. Well, I feel this here tonight. Now, we know, we know the story in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John going up to the temple, the hour of prayer. I want to be careful tonight. I want to be, I want to be nice. I want to be sweet. I got to feel a lot of places. This whole term hour of prayer is probably strange. That's another sermon for another time. <clears throat> the five minutes of prayer or whatever, but um, they went up, went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, found a man that had been sitting there at the gate called Beautiful. And uh, he looked on them expecting to receive something. I, I said one night when I was preaching, he, he, was, he was begging for change. Well, he got change, but not the kind of change he was begging for. <laughs> Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we know that part of the story. We know that, and many times that's where we leave off with all our shouting and jumping and, you know, uh, such as I have give I thee, and we stop right there. But if you keep reading that story, just read on just one more chapter. Chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that it didn't stop with this one lame man. But because of this one lame man, what happened, Brother Goff? Howbeit many of them which many heard the word. Many of them which heard the word believed, believed and, and the number, the number, of, number men of men was about 5,000. Thousand, you talk about a citywide revival, and you know how it happened. They didn't have streamers, they didn't have banners, they weren't driving around with a bus hollering through a, a bullhorn. You know what they did? They found one man with a need, they met his need, and that man had a testimony that shook Jerusalem. I'm preaching tonight to this church. I'm telling you somewhere in this city is a key. Somewhere in this city there is a key. There's an entrance to this city. We just got to find it. We just got to locate it. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. We've talked many times about Acts chapter 19. We've talked many times about what happened when these disciples of John the Baptist came and Paul met them. And these were believers. They were believers. And if we get time tonight, I don't know, time's already slipping away. These were believers. And they were disciples. Students of the scripture and and uh, Paul 
ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we hadn't even heard of this Holy Ghost. Paul said, well, tell me then how you were baptized. You know, these are questions that any more people just don't, they, they, they don't want to ask these questions, Brother Mays. They, 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 that's offensive. Paul wasn't worried about offending anybody. To him, these two questions were essential. And so he didn't mind asking. And he asked. And he said, well, then tell me how you were baptized. They said, well, John the Baptist baptized us. He said, well, you know, John baptized with a baptism of repentance. But John said, there's somebody coming after him that's greater than him. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he preached to them. And when he got through preaching, you know what he did? He took them and baptized them again. This time he baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So he baptized them in Jesus' name. And he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And the number of men was about 12. And usually we leave off right there shouting the victory about what happened. 12 men. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. We stop way too soon when we stop with verse 7. Let's pick up with verse 8. And read a few verses. And he went into the synagogue. He went into the synagogue. And spake boldly. And spake boldly. For the space of three months. For the space of three months. Disputing, disputing and persuading. Persuading the, the things, things concerning, the, concerning kingdom of God. the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened. Yeah, there were a lot of them didn't accept it. And believed not. They didn't believe it. But spake evil they of what way before the multitude. That way, but he departed. He departed from them and separated and he the disciples. separated those disciples. Disputing daily in the school yes. of Tyrannus. And what happened? And this continued about by the space two of two years. years. So that all oh, they that which dwelt in, that Asia, dwelt in Asia heard the word, heard of, the Lord the Jesus. word of the Lord Jesus. Both, Jews, Both and Greeks. Jews and Greeks. I'm telling you, it started with just a dozen men. It was just a dozen men. Hallelujah. That's all it was. But it was the entrance uh, into that city. It was the beginning, hallelujah, of a revival that took place. I'm preaching to us tonight, church. I'm telling you, God has been dealing with me. There is an entrance out there. There's a key out there. There's an individual out there. There's somebody out there. They may not look like we think they ought to look. They may not be the, the highest of society. They may be drug addicts. They may be prostitutes. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are. But whoever they are, they're a key. They've got friends. They've got family members. They've got loved ones. And we got to reach them. Because when we reach that key, we found the entrance. I know wherever I speak. I know wherever I speak. Because I know about the little, the little North Texas town. 700 people. 
and a church running 15. When a little 12-year-old boy, somebody brought him to church. And he got baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost. And then his younger brother, is anybody hearing me? And then his dad, and then his mom, and his grandma, and his older brother, and his cousins, and his aunt. And I'm telling you, in that little town of 756 people, it wasn't long till that church of 15 was running over 100 on average. I'm telling you, here's what happened somehow. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. But somehow, whoever found me, they found the key to that city. They found the key to that city. That was the entrance. Oh, God, there's another 12-year-old boy somewhere in this city. There's another one out there somewhere. My God, my God, my God. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I'm going to tell you, saints of God, what's got to happen. We need... We need collectively to start praying every day. God, this day, lead me to the entrance. Show me. God, when I go to work today, show me the entrance to this city. When I walk into the grocery store, show me God, is the entrance here. When I go fill my car with gas, is the entrance here. Show me, show me God. I gotta find the entrance to this city. I gotta find the entrance to this city. Come on, saints. We can spend all of our efforts. We can, we can spend all of our money on things that are not going to work. But if we can find the entrance, if we can ever find the key. Oh, yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. How much time we got? I got 20 minutes. Now... Let's, let's lift our hands. Let's love the Lord for just a minute. Let's love the Lord for just a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. will tell you the great revival that I've seen in Africa is really because of one man not me not me one man because my first trip over there was in 2001 and I didn't think I saw any fruit from that trip 
And it wasn't until 13 years later when my phone rang. And that heavy African accent, he said, I'm looking for Pastor Riggin. I said, speaking. He said, my name is Zami Saimusakwa. I was in that meeting in 2001 when you taught us about baptism in Jesus' name. He said, I've got to know more. I've been trying to find you for 13 years. I've got to know more. You've got to come back. One man. One man. That one man put together the next meeting with 50 pastors and wives. We baptized all of them in that meeting. That one man put together the next meeting with 300 pastors and wives. And we baptized a slew of them in that meeting. And I'm telling you, everything that happened in Africa happened because God led me to the key. Oh, feel this tonight. There's a key out there, saints. There's a key out there. There is an entrance to this city. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. All right, I've got, I've got 17 minutes. Here's what we're going to do. Many of you are familiar with Brother Bill Fleming's five-minute Bible study. And uh, we've, we've had copies. In fact, I think Brother Fleming, I think one time when I was gone to Africa, he came here and presented it to the church, if I'm not mistaken. Um... I've watched that man teach that study. I'm telling you, under every kind of circumstance imaginable. You know, when you go to Africa, they've got porters at the doors of the public restrooms. And as, as he's coming out of the restroom, the porter's waiting on a tip. Well, he gives them a tip, all right, a tip on how to be saved. And uh, he just opens up that little Bible study and takes them through it five minutes. And, and we've had copies of it for I don't know how long, and we've talked about it, and we've shared it, and we've mentioned it. Yesterday in prayer, I told Brother Goff, I said, you know what I want to do? I want to take that little Bible study. It's only five minutes long. And I want to put it together in such a way that I just do like a little PowerPoint that will self-play. And we put that on our website, and somebody just click it, and it will just take them through it on their own. Make it easy. You can maybe save it on your phone. I just couldn't quite get it all to work the way I wanted it to, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But I'll tell you what I did do. In all of my looking, I found an audio of Brother Fleming explaining how to teach this study. The whole audio takes about 11 minutes. And I thought, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the PowerPoint. I hadn't got all the audio synchronized. I'm just going to let that 11-minute deal play uh, with Brother Fleming explaining how to teach that Bible study. And we're going to let the PowerPoint work well, brother, brother Jared's going to be our clicker tonight. And uh, you're going to get to hear Brother Fleming explain the Bible study and watch the PowerPoint. And then we're going to take little pieces of that. We're going to put it all together, synchronize it. And we're going to give you another little tool to where you can go and use that. And hopefully, prayerfully, God's going to lead us to the key of the city. To the entrance of that city. Hallelujah. Praise God. Have you got the audio ready? He's, 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 he's 
trying his best back there. I dumped this on him. I dumped this on him. Last minute. It's ready. Audio ready. PowerPoint ready. All right, we're going to turn it over to him. And I don't know if somebody maybe want to help him with putting darkening this so everybody can see up here a little better. And uh, just listen to Brother Fleming and, and watch, and you'll learn. You'll learn tonight. Today, we're going to give an introduction to the 5-Minute Water and Spirit Bible Study. If you're holding one in your hand, at first look, it appears to be a track that you would give to somebody or leave one. door. But actually, this is far more than a track. It's a brief but powerful Bible study that describes what Jesus said about being born again in John chapter 3. This five-minute Bible study allows us the opportunity to show someone the gospel salvation message in an informal way, and it can be effectively used with someone we meet on the street, or we may be standing on their doorstep, possibly in the line at Walmart, or in the church foyer with a visitor, basically anywhere that the Lord opens the door for us to witness. In any situation, you can show them the powerful message that Jesus wants the world to hear, and in a way that is easily understood and remembered. So this Bible study has several advantages that make it effective. The first thing is that the approach is non-confrontational. It can actually help you make a friend instead of losing a friend. Secondly, it bypasses the familiar objections we hear so often from people like, I'm not interested, or I have my church, or I don't have time. And thirdly, though it's brief, it goes directly to the heart because it consists simply of the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Another thing that makes it effective is that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. And when a person sees this presented in visual form, it makes an indelible imprint on their conscience. They see three, actually four, Scripture references about being born again, and they will not forget what you showed them. Finally, Jesus gave us an altar call to use when he said this. He said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. As we use this altar call, we will find those who are ready to be baptized right now. We'll find others who are hungry for the Holy Ghost. We'll find some who are interested in a longer Bible study. Regardless, something always happens because God's Word just does not return void. You have wanted to be able to show someone this glorious gospel. Now you have a way of doing it, and in just a few minutes. So to begin, let me show you a simple approach that I find 
works really well, and I think you'll find it works well too. For instance, I will be talking with somebody, and as I direct the conversation to include something about God, I will simply offer them a water and spirit Bible study and say, I'd like you to have one of these. Or, have you seen one of these? I place it in their hand, and while they're looking at it, I'll just point out this is about being born again. Have you heard of that? And most people will say yes. A few will say no. Some will say, oh yes, my church teaches about all that. Regardless of what they say, our response is, great, you'll like this. And they will like it, especially if we show a little bit of enthusiasm along with it. So, now we have placed it in their hand, and what we say next is very crucial. Here's what we say. We say, I'll let you have this. Let me show you real quick how it works. Notice we did not say anything about a church or a Bible study or five minutes of your time, etc. We simply said, let me show you real quick how this works. Got it? So, from that point, we go right on and point out, people have different ideas about being born again. Pop singers sing about it. Political candidates claim it. People say it's a good feeling. Most agree it's a good thing. And Jesus pointed that out also. He said in John 3, verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So it is a good thing. It's getting us ready for the kingdom of God, for heaven. So notice here in the book of John, Jesus did not explain what he meant by water and spirit. But when we turn to the next book, the book of Acts, we find out what it means to be born of water and spirit when we see people actually being told about it and being born again of water and of the spirit. Now, to show them how it works, we open to the inside of the, the leaflet. And we may actually take it back from them at this point so we can check the boxes. And right away we point out to the person we're teaching, Peter was the first to tell people how to be born again when he said in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He told them about water when he said to be baptized. So, of course, we can check the little box on the opposite page under water. And he said, You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So, we will check that box where they were told about the Spirit. Now, the next place where somebody was told how to be born again is in Acts chapter 8, where Philip went down to Samaria, and they received the word of God. Let's read that. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then lay they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Notice, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, so we can check the box for being born of water. But they also needed the Spirit, we know. So Peter and John prayed for them to receive the Holy Ghost, and we can check the box for Spirit. So far, we see people are born of water and of the Spirit when they're baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the third place where people are born again is in Acts chapter 10, where Peter is preaching in Cornelius' house. Let's read about it. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they uh, of the circumcision, those Jews, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also is poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. 
Here we see for the first time Gentiles like you and me receiving the Spirit. Let's check that, check that box first. We see they received the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and spoke with tongues. And we know Peter understood the need for water along with Spirit. So that's why, as we read on, he said, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So he commanded them to be baptized. We can check the box for water. Now, real quickly, the final place where people were born again is in Acts chapter 19, when Paul came down to Ephesus. And we'll pick it up there where he found certain disciples. And in verse 2, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him when should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So, notice these men were believers. Like many believers today, though, they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, nor had they been baptized in Jesus' name. But when they heard about this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we can go back inside and check that final box under water. And they received the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. So we can go back inside and check the final box under Spirit. So every place someone was born again, they were baptized in Jesus' name. They received the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. And this is the same experience that the Lord has for us today. In fact, looking at the last scripture reference, there inside, just below the boxes we checked, Jesus said this. He said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So here we come to the altar call. And those of you who are teaching, we want to be sure that we are ready for this. Let me show you how we approach this. We've shown them in the Word of God in a simple, understandable, powerful way that the Lord, uh, what the Bible says. And as we've shown them that, we know the Lord has been speaking to their heart. And when we come to the altar call, it's very simple. We ask them, would you like to be born of water and of the Spirit? Got that? Would you like to be born of water and of the Spirit? Now here it's very important that we wait. We don't say another word. We listen carefully to what that person has to say. We don't know what they'll answer. We may hear them say, of course, I want to be born again. Or we may hear them say, this is new to me. I'd like to know more. Or they could say, thank you. I want to look at this again and show a friend. Others may open up tell you all about their own experience, how they were baptized, or whether they've received the Holy Ghost, etc. But this is a time we want to hear and respond carefully, following the Holy Ghost. It may be a time to pray with them, to encourage them to seek for all God has to them, or to set up a time for further Bible study, such as Into His Marvelous Light or Search for Truth. We want to be flexible and let God have His way as He deals with this person. I wanted to say this. We finished this Bible study, and, and we have been privileged to teach this Bible study in many different situations. We've taught it here in America, in other nations, and in several languages. We have found this. 
God's word is true. It will not return void. Something will happen when we go forth and teach the Lord working with us. And so teaching this, we've exercised a powerful spiritual principle of the mouth of two or three witnesses so that it's established in that person's heart. They've heard, seen, and read. Visually, they've seen Jesus' powerful message of water and spirit in a way that even a child can understand. And very importantly, they've heard it from you face-to-face with an opportunity to respond to the Word. Let me just give you an example of how powerfully this can work. We were in Africa uh, with Brother Riggin, and as we were leaving the uh, house where we were staying, uh, walking out on the way to a conference one day, one of the housekeepers stopped us and said, I want one of those, pointing to the Water and Spirit Bible studies we had. We promised her when we returned that evening, we'd make sure she got one. So when we came back that evening, she hadn't forgotten. And this lady's name was Precious. Isn't that interesting? So Precious said, I want to see how this works. We brought out a Bible study in her own native language, which is Chichewa, and began to go through the Bible study as I did here um, in showing you how we teach it. And when we got to that second reference in Acts chapter 8, where people were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, she said this. She said, I have never been baptized. But the Holy Ghost, I know what that's about. When I was younger, when I was 15, I received the Holy Ghost and I spoke with tongues. But can I be baptized? I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. We assured her, we will be sure you are able to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Guess what? That made our day. That made her day. Amen. And we're certain that God was smiling and pleased with her response to his word. Let me just make one final, very important point. This leaflet is not a tract to be handed to someone, left on a door, placed in a visitor's packet, etc. And just kind of hope they figure it out on their own what this is all about. We do have tracts for those purposes, but instead, this is a Bible study. It's a Bible study for us to teach, for us to check the boxes, for an altar call to be given. Let's not shortchange what God can do with something like a powerful five-minute Bible study. In fact, a friendly approach mixed with some Holy Ghost enthusiasm and with just a bit of boldness will help us find open doors and allow the Lord to bless our humble efforts as we labor in His harvest. So let me say God bless you as you take the Word of God. And remember that using this certain tool, this uh, simple tool, His Word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which He pleases. God bless you. Easy enough. Anybody can do it. Now let's take it. Let's use it. And let's go find the key to our city. Let's stand tonight. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Can we pray that prayer right now, right where you are? Can you ask God, Lord, lead me. Lead me to the one that's hungry. Lead me, God. Show me the entrance to this city. Help me to be sensitive, God. Help me to be sensitive, God.
show me the entrance to this city.